All right. Hello, everyone. This is episode two of our spooky series here on Therapist Next Door, where we are reviewing horror movies for the month of October with our former classmate and friend, Matt Page. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hello, Matt. Thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. And we're, this is Joanna also of Therapist Next Door. Um, we're reviewing them with like a clinical lens. So, um, should be fun. And this is Sarah. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> should we do a quick check-in just to see how we are today? What's going on? Yeah, totally. Matt, you want to start? Oh, um, yeah. Well, this, this morning we, you know, we, we are having some thunderstorms kind of roll through. So that would hopefully amp up the spookiness to uh, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, same here in Chester County, PA. We are having some thunderstorms and some characteristically loud driving rain sounds outside. So, but it is plenty spooky. That's great. Uh, here in Philadelphia, it's not raining yet, but it's ready. It's getting ready to go. And uh, yeah, it's the morning. So, good morning. Good morning. So this week we are reviewing It Follows, which I think we can all agree has has layers. This is the third time I've watched this movie and I have seen more. I see more things each time I watch it. Um, oh, yeah. I, I do feel like the, this this time around, and I think I've watched it a few times, but yeah, definitely a deeper appreciation for it. And there does seem to be a lot more layers than you know, the, the first time that you watch it, it's, it's very, it, it seems a little bit more, uh, I don't know, like, like, like there's, you know, like this typical one or something. Theme. Yeah. 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 Like you, you can deduce it as um, I've, I've heard uh, one description of it as like, it's like a walking STD horror film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but really it's, it's like so much more than that. Um, definitely really watch is. it with a friend because it's, it's really freaky. Um, very unique. I think in terms of the horror genre. Yeah, big yeah. time. And just to kind of go over the synopsis, you know, a young woman has a sexual encounter and then she realizes very abruptly that an entity is following her very slowly at a walking pace wherever she goes, trying to kill her. And she is encouraged by the person she has sex with to have sex with another person because the entity will then go after that person. So he encourages her to keep passing it along. And as we learn, the entity just keeps killing whoever was the last person to uh, inherit them and then just keeps going down the line. Hence the, the STI and STD theories. Yeah. And then it just kind of ends. Yeah. We don't really know mm-hmm. at the end, like what they, there's a, I think my husband described it as a very Scooby-Doo way to try to kill the entity. It and, uh, not sure if that worked or not. Yeah, definitely. The The director had so much to say about this movie. He did mention that, you know, these are these are kids. These are kids yeah. trying to kill this this entity that is obviously like very powerful beyond a scope that they understand. And they try to kill it in a way that kids would try to kill something. And it goes the way we would expect it to. But every decision they made is a decision that kids would make. Yeah. I, mean, I think the viewers can sometimes be a little judgmental of that but just because it is just because it's something that is insane that's happening we're all still going to respond the same way we would 
in a regular situation. Yeah. And I, I like how you describe that too, because it, it is so prevalent. There's like such an overarching theme of, of kids or teens, you know, overcoming un, an unstoppable evil. I mean, you see that in like Nightmare on Elm Street, right? There, there's, there's a, a reference there on Nightmare on Elm Street where, mm -hmm. you know, like the kids are, the kids are up against uh, a force that is unexplainable, but mm. there's just this kind of impending dread that's happening. And there's no adult supervision. Like the adults are, are barely involved in their lives. And so mm -hmm. they're left to fend and find answers for themselves. Yeah. I noticed a lot on this rewatch. I've probably seen this movie, I mean, upwards of five times, cause I really love it, uh, even though it's spooky. And um, I noticed a lot of the parents in this movie, kind of how they were portrayed and what was going on. Um, you know, the the mom was was very checked out and they show, I mean, there was like a point where they showed food that was made for Jay, who's the main character, and it was moldy. Yep. Yeah, it, like I had never really noticed that before. Um, mm -hmm. It was really beautiful. If you can call moldy food beautiful. Yeah, and there's there's actually some some kind of uh, hot takes that I found on IMDb that also Same. kind of um, <laughs> kind of well maybe, maybe not influence but like, like kind of evolved my answers or a, li a little bit um, in that and yeah there's some really interesting um, shots taken of like the food or the blades of grass on yeah on, uh, I Jay's, really noticed Jay's that. leg. Um, so yeah, I, I won't get into that detail just yet. Cause I know there's like a lot to the, to the movie, <laughs> but, um, yeah, a, a lot of really interesting takes that could be interpreted. Um, it, it's really interesting because, you know, the, this movie, you know, it has its interpretations, although I, I guess, um, David Robert Mitchell, the director had said that this, this film's concept derived from. Uh, a recurring nightmare of his, oh, uh, where where um, he he had a, he had nightmares where he would be stalked by a predator that continually walked slowly towards him. So, um, part of me was like, man, I, I wish I wish I uh, you know had the skill set of a of a dream analyst or or a, you know dream interpretation because this would be kind of ripe for the picking, uh, you know, when it comes to you know delving more. Uh, psychologically into into this uh, movie, but yeah, really really interesting that that was kind of like the the basis of uh, the film. Yeah, that's really cool. And to share, I had that same reoccurring nightmare as a child. But in my dream, I knew what it looked like. It was a like a pile of goop. Oh, <laughs> hmm. it's it was a monster from an old Johnny Quest cartoon that I had watched, but like the monster was in my dream, but he was always just like, I'd run back to see if he was there and he was still there. I had that dream oh. all the time when I was a kid. So I wonder how much, yeah, Matt, like you were saying this, if we were to kind of delve into that, this just kind of like this kind of unknown in unpredictability or instability or mm. something that could have been present. Yeah. Yeah. And I really wonder how, how common this kind of dream is for some of us. Cause I mean, I I've had a similar dream too. And, and, you know, it sounds intense, but like I was pursued by like a butcher. Um, mm. But then again, I grew up on a farm. So, you know, it, that that kind of it, it may be tying into that uh, in some way or, or another. But uh, yeah, so wild. I'm, I'm just curious, like how many, uh, you know, listeners out there, how many, you know, how many folks have actually had those kinds of dreams? Um, mm. 
It was always T-Rexes for me, so. Yeah, wow. they were running. I mean, I guess they're not very fast, so mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're lumberous. Mm-hmm. But I just well, this idea of like uh, something coming towards you and it's never stopping. It's always coming and it's slowly coming, but it's always coming. It's always, it's always there. It's always behind you. Yeah, and then when it reaches you, I mean, the there there was only two two deaths right in the movie there was annie at the opening scene something was Mm -hmm. chasing her you know she dies we find her body contorted um and and then yeah the second death was kind of like death by edible complex um um yeah and so we don't really know much else as to like the intent other than for this entity just wants to kill and we don't know why we don't necessarily know how but it's just yeah like, like you said uh you know that that impending inevitable doom yeah i think we should definitely go back to greg's death at a certain point about mm-hmm. the edible complex because there's also that scene where the mom finds them with all the pornographic magazines and she like loses her mind like i wonder if that instilled some kind of like mistrust and like sexualization of the kid you know i mean mm. like the repression in our country around any type of sex where, I mean, a lot of parents will just kind of demonize kids for having normal curiosities. I wonder if that happened with Greg and kind of turned him into somebody that somebody that cheapened sex, i.e. sleeping with mm. Jay and then ignoring her. Yeah, It's interesting that they, I mean, we can delve into it now, but like, it's interesting that they're the family that gets like in, I mean, like that, you know, that he's the one who dies because she, this is a quote I wrote down because they're looking over when Jay first comes back from um, from her date where Q, you know, tied her up and showed her the monster. Um, you know, the police come and the mother looks out and she's like, those people are such a mess. I have a lot of <laughs> personal feelings about that, just like, that one family in the neighborhood, just all these horrible things just keep happening to them. Like the dad passes away. You don't yeah. know why, but obviously it may result in mom checking out and the girls just staying where they are and not really advancing the way that their peers are. But, well, let's, can we start at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. let's start at the beginning. Yeah. A very good place to start. So I, I did want to like, at least put give a shout out to the music. I, I freaking love the 80s synth, the eerie, oh, unsettling, yeah. ambient vibe to it. Um, uh, and just another another kind of point of interest that the setting is so ambiguous and so mm-hmm. mismatched. And that was actually done on purpose. Like, like David Robert Mitchell wanted this to feel like a dream. And I didn't realize that at mm-hmm. first. Like when I watched it for the first few times, I'm like, man, this is like really weird. Like you have, you have Yara, right? Who's on a scallop e-reader. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have like these old, like, you know, cathode ray tube yeah. TVs with the bunny ears. And they're one of, at one point they're stacked on top of each other. And it's like some weird wallpaper mismatch. It's like, it's just like, it's just like a bunch of decades just threw up. <laughs> and, the clothes, yeah. and the clothes they're wearing is like, not, it's like, is it winter? Is it summer? Right. Cause they're like layered, but then not layered. It's very strange. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we come into this, like this setting that, you, you don't know when it is. You, you think it might be 80s because of the synth, but it's really not. Um, 
and yeah, we start out with, so we have Jay, right. Or, or Jamie, which was actually a tribute to Jamie Lee Curtis. Hmm. Um, and, and, and also Lily, who's a, which, which is, um, nicknamed for Kelly, um, who is a tribute to Kelly Curtis uh, or a uh, Jamie Lee's yeah. sister. Um, and then friends, Paul, uh, Yara, yeah. And sister Lily, Hugh and Greg. And I think those are the main characters today. Yeah. Yeah. No, you got them all. Hugh slash Jeff. Yeah. Um, so, so we have Annie, the first character who we then see again later as the entity. And that's the, one of the coolest things about this movie is that a lot of the characters that only have a couple seconds on screen later come back as the entity, or we had already seen them as the entity. And was she also in the picture with Hugh slash Jeff um, of like the high school? I believe that was her. Cause they like, that find a pic- been. yeah, I think so. Ugh. So I, yeah. The first thing I noticed about Annie is obviously she's, obviously she's in lingerie. She's wearing heels. You know, why would she be wearing heels? And then she takes them off later to run. But I'm thinking that she just had a sexual encounter and that she wasn't able to warn the person or they didn't listen. And then it was already coming after her. Like she just tried to pass it on and it was already. So then she got killed. And then probably Joanna, like you're saying, Hugh was next. Yeah, and it seems like she, especially because she was like calling her dad, like she was kind of like, I'm done with this. I'm done running. I'm done. Um, so it like probably had happened to her before. Uh, and that's like why it takes Hugh by surprise when it comes after him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it, that's, this, oh, sorry, oh, I, that's the scariest part of the movie, I think, for me, is every time they shoot or they, they point towards an area where there's nothing there and the person's like, don't you see it? Like when he first points in the back of the theater and he's like, lady in the yellow dress. Ooh, nope, nope. It, it's like what we were talking about last episode with that the, the sublime, you know, the absence of something actually physically scaring us. is It was, oof. And they, like, don't, they don't ever show the woman in the yellow dress. It's never a right. thing. Mm-hmm. And like he and you can just tell i mean that th- this actor is extremely afraid and that's what's like oh okay yeah, yeah like him pointing to the kid you know i trade places with that kid in a yeah. sense another mm. opportunity a chance to just have no shit to deal with yeah it's kind of like that loss of innocence in a way too i mean and and also going back to what you said earlier sarah with like mistrust and and actually this, this movie represents paranoia quite well um because you know each each person is seeing something and their reality is is completely valid yet yeah. those around them don't experience that so like when we're talking about like delusions or other positive symptoms of like schizophrenia when when you when you see things and you hear things and they're very real to you uh but they're not showing up for other people like that can be very alienating very distancing mm-hmm. and and so you know, how do you, how do you navigate that? Like if, if, if you were experiencing this, if, you know, this, it, this, this entity following you, like how, how do you describe it to somebody, some of your closest friends without, um, you know, feeling alienated or feeling distanced or, or, or feeling invalidated. Yeah. And that's what I think the, I think we're reading from the same page there too, about how Jay, Jay was not the typical final girl because she had such a good support system and they literally they didn't even think about not they didn't even think about doubting her except yeah. for Greg who I think disp- I think Greg didn't really have a chance I, I just mean like generally in life I don't think he was held accountable for things and then it proved mm-hmm. to be his demise mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's such like a testament to kind of the resiliency of children that they're all like, now we believe you. And we're like here with you for this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jay and Kelly's backyard. I mean, that was my backyard that like, you know, the kind of like easy put together above ground pool, Mm. all the trees, the small chain link fence in the yard. That was, that was very, uh, um, that was like a nice, nice thing to see, very nostalgic. And the there's also, it's something I'd noticed before, but there's these neighbor kids who are watching Jay and they come up a couple times. So just that feeling of paranoia, like there's always someone there. There's always someone watching. Mm-hmm. I think at one point they're like looking in her bedroom window. Um, yeah. Yeah, the little boy who then is later the entity because he's the only one that can fit through the little door at the beach. Ugh. Everybody yeah. comes back. That's so creepy. <laughs> I know it's so. I the, the the decision that the entity made to make some of their eyes blacked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh. Yeah, and that yeah that I think that boy was creepy all along. I mean he he was he was always like spying well, yeah. <laughs> on Jay in general. And and actually there, there's another theme that I noticed that I hadn't noticed before was that the kid was wearing red. Especially, mm. I think I think at the end when he was on the bike and he threw a red ball at the window, yeah. and then eventually, mm-hmm. like you saw him like peeping Tom, um, and yeah, just just to see him kind of manifest into it, um, yeah, in, in that scene with the the, the blown out door, uh, yeah, so creepy, um, recessed eyes, kind yeah. of look, Ugh. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then the reading, Yara reading the idiot, and just kind of. Mm-hmm. Like if like themes of the idiot themes of the mm-hmm. idiot are, yeah, you know somebody being kind and and understanding and open and empathetic and everybody misinterpreting him as stupid, mm. and I, like just like what Joanna said with Greg's mom, this family is just the the kids are nice and they're cool and it's not like they're attracting things and being a mess. They just happen to be they're like collecting people that are hurt. And they're yeah. spending time together and be, being supportive of each other. And I think they're like chronically misjudged by others around them. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like also Jay is very open. I mean, people want things from her. Like Greg wants things from her. Paul wants things from her. Hugh Jeff wants things from her. Like those kids who are following her want things from her. So she's got all this pressure. Um. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to say about that, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I'm also kind of like hooked on the idea of of literature. Going back to Yara, and, and mm-hmm. you know when she was ta- when she was reading Dostoevsky, um, this is a recurring theme. And I and and you know part of me was thinking a lot about um, like suicidality throughout the film because mm-hmm. um, you know the the quote from Dostoevsky, Yara had said like I think that if one is faced by an inevitable destruction. If a house is falling upon you, for instance, one must feel a great longing to sit down, close one's eyes and wait, come what may. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm just trying to think of like some, some things that may be prevalent or maybe on the mind, you know, in, in a teen's life. And, and this is one reoccurring thing with Dostoevsky, you know, that quote, and then the, um, the T.S. Eliot poem, the love song of uh, J. Alfred Prufrock, uh, a class, and then of course at the end, you know, right. Yara quotes Dostoevsky again. Um, just this whole theme of like mortality. 
Yeah. Yeah. And the, the J. Alfred, was it Pofrock, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's also, yes, the immortality. And then there's the piece of that, the, what is it, that work by the T.S. Eliot one that we're talking about. Okay. It's really a big theme of it is allow people to have their secrets and don't intrude. Mm. Just let people live their lives and maybe let them reveal things to you as we go. And it's just another another kind of nail in the coffin with how this family was just trying to survive and people around them were just giving unhelpful opinions. Um, There was a lot that happened to these characters before. And that's not always a thing in movies. We come in and we think like, okay, these characters haven't lived. Yeah. But it's very clear that Jay is like the, is like, is like the maternal figure for them all. And she's like, unwaveringly kind and that's why they all feel okay doing this for her yeah you know i i think in another movie she'd be easily framed as like taking advantage of her family but i I think this is a result of her just being really cool and them loving her yeah and very protective of paul too i i noticed Mm. like she obviously went to greg first because she felt that greg could handle uh the entity Mm -hmm. um but you know paul paul is I don't know. I, I guess like the the kid who's kind of, um, you know, like picked on lovingly in a lovingly way mm-hmm. uh, within his circle. But like I, I I feel some frustrations from Paul where you know he's he's not taken seriously or like there was like that incident I guess years ago where she, where he you know the first kiss was with Jay and then something had happened and he kissed Lily as well and was I, I guess like taken or like not allowed to go back home because I, I think there was like one one um scene where you know jay was like wow you know you haven't been in this house for years yeah or slept over right i think that was yeah he said i haven't slept over and she said you know why right right <laughs> i also felt some frustration with him because like he was still like he was very jealous of greg like like so he wasn't totally buying into like this she's in danger thing like he was still kind of like how can i spin this and like get what I want out of it, which he does. But it, they go through the like the whole ending and like trying to kill the entity. So like, you know, he he then buys in. But in, in the beginning, especially when Greg is involved, there he's a little bit standoffish. Or yeah, I I get the feeling that Paul is always buying in, but he's just so he's just too much of a dude who thinks he should be getting something he's putting investment into like it mm. overpowers his i don't know i don't know where that lies but like that kind of like i've i've put the work in i've put the time in i can't believe you'd like everybody's lives are literally in danger and he's still this kind of like toxicity is still coming in of like i've no i'm here i'm the guy i'm the man yeah. Ugh. Mm. take a walk yeah yeah i i hadn't actually thought of that like with with greg's kind of sudden role within the the group and uh you know even though like greg hasn't been around for a while and he was he even admitted he's like yeah i've been kind of a jerk in the past and um but just a little more heartfelt i guess with his interactions than than with paul you know paul being Mm -hmm. like well i've been i've been the guy all along like you know don't mess with my spot Um, yeah but yeah that 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 makes a lot of sense yeah yeah um i felt horrible for Hugh I I think he was I think he was callous when they went to see him and he was like she's you know she's a girl it'll be easy but I think we were just looking at a very desperate 
person that didn't want to yeah. die. I felt horrible mm-hmm. for him the whole time. All right. Yeah, and he's he, he's portrayed as like paranoid or or like you know some like oh don't don't go near him he's dangerous like mm-hmm. um, really just I guess written off for a long time and he had his hideout um, you know in order to get away from everyone uh, which which is really sad and it's um, you know I'm I, I'm also glad at the same time um, that you know the one. I'm just thinking of the one um, comic relief part to this this movie. Uh, I think I think it's like towards the middle where like they're all they, you know they finally found Hugh, um, who is Jeff. Actually, he he had mm-hmm. changed names and were I'm, I'm not sure why. I maybe I didn't pick up on that, but um, well, he, he was. I don't think they wanted him to track him. Right. Yeah. yeah he didn't. He didn't yeah. want to be tracked down. Um, but and, so I have a quick question. So. When Hugh started dating Jay, I don't think he was dating her to pass it on. Right? Because no, like no, he didn't I, he didn't know that it was coming back for him. No, I think he definitely was I like he had that place and she was she said he ne- yeah. doesn't let me see it. He's embarrassed of it. I think he mm-hmm. I think he wasn't wrong, but also he was wrong when he said yeah. she's a girl, it'll be easy. But he knew that in or in like other than like doing a one night stand or actually assaulting somebody you have to put like work in which okay. like is fucking yeah i mean he gross <sighs> yeah he had no choice <laughs> um and the, but the in the way he did it like you know he was saying like i'm doing this just to help you um i don't know i mean you know that that goes again once again like i i like none of us had been in that experience. I'm not sure exactly how like anyone would react in that particular instance, but I mean, it, it was, it, it was definitely, uh, I don't know, like cringy the way that he had kind of like, you know, tied her into a wheelchair in this abandoned building and like just basically told her to wait while this, you know, figure, you know, the, it, the entity uh, came. So, I mean, you know, he, he definitely prepared her, I think for, for what's to come, but I mean, that was like really raw and visceral. I mean, you, you know, you just see this like, you know, picture of this naked woman. And I, I think that's another theme that comes along too, is just like the, the, the rawness, the vulnerability, mm. you, you know, using nudity as kind of a vulnerability point in the, in the film. Um, it just, it, it was a really um, kind of a shocking way that, that uh, Hugh had, you know, uh, kind of introduced Jay to what's happening. Yeah. I, I think he, I think he did what he had to do. I think he was like, I, I, you know, maybe it was not the first time he had done it. Maybe it was with that other Annie who we saw in the beginning, but I think he was like, I literally can't skirt around this. I need to like get this done quickly. And by the way, that entity, I think that was his mom. The first one we saw. Oh. Cause then, cause then when they open the door to his house, Jay's looking at her like, Christ. And you remember that like long shot we had of the mom's face that felt a little too long. Yeah. And that's because mm-hmm. the first entity was mom. Hmm. but yeah matt you're right like how can we even like what would we do <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not i must say I, I could i i don't know if i could do it any better i yeah. mean that's the you know how how do you get your point across that is is incredibly pressing like life or death situation without you know freaking people out around you i mean that yeah i'm like wow like what would i do <laughs> no idea yeah um, tell me if I'm reaching, like, 
like pulling my muscles reaching, but I think there might be a theme of like access and socioeconomic status too, because I mean, these kids were in like a, they weren't in a low income neighborhood, but they were lower income than like Jeff's family. You know, he was able to rent a house. He was able to like drive far in his car and get to places and like actually like wine and dine somebody. Whereas she was like, I literally can't, like, I don't have anything. I have my friends. And I think that, yeah. I mean, and then the whole monologue they have about like crossing eight mile into Detroit and how they weren't allowed to go there. Like we're seeing all these different levels of access and how even these white kids in the suburbs don't have as much access as the wealthier kids, but they have way more access than the kids or whomever across eight mile, which I didn't know was the border of Detroit. And I learned in this movie. (laughs) Me too. No, I don't think that's a far reach at all. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you definitely could tell, at least in the scene where they're going to the swimming pool and how I think it was, it was Yara who like talked about like, oh, we're never crossing this line or like this, this area, yeah. um, you know, and, and then you just, you go into a neighborhood that's, that's very, very desolate that, you know, hasn't had the resources that have been given to, um, you know, some of the suburbia or the, uh, the suburban areas. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm also thinking about like the house they showed after the pool, they just showed the pool kind of like falling apart. Mm. Um, and like her, you know, her bedroom window, there's like a very weird balcony that looks like it's ready to fall apart when she comes out of it. And their house is very homey. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of beautiful handmade items, Mm -hmm. I will say, uh which i'm looking for and noticing for now so yeah Yeah. i I noticed a crochet blanket too Mm -hmm. on the couch yeah there were there were three something so i am kind of pulling us to the left a little bit but so she's wearing a crocheted blanket when it comes into the house um and it's like a very you know there's a lot on her face there's like a lot of slow-mo of her like freaking out there's this thing she's wearing a beautiful blanket then the other times there are crocheted blankets Paul is wearing them. Paul is like mm-hmm. on them or using them. So they're like the first time we see Paul, he's like against a blanket. And then the, that time when he's downstairs at their house, like keeping watch, he's also like has has a blanket on him. And she's also has a blanket. I don't know what it means, but I just mm-hmm. noticed it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really wonder if they're I mean, I, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I mean, the, the going back to the whole blanket, like the security thing and just the need for to have something tangible to hold on to when things are uncertain. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What what better object than a crochet blanket? Like it, it just yeah, it's, it's handmade. It's it's uh, it's welcoming. Uh, yeah. And there's like I mean, the the size that these blankets were, there was like a significant amount of time put into them. And this might be me stretching a lot, but when they went to Hugh Jeff's house, no blankets, nothing, mm. just a mattress on the floor and the nudie magazines. Yeah. Um, yeah. That yeah. bummed me out. Everything about yeah. that, that he had to do that. But Oof. just to like show you how thoughtful he is. And I, I this was, this was from IMDB that I had learned about. Um, I can find it in my notes here that the house itself um was considered to be an American foursquare, um, which was from the 1890s to the 1930s. And the layout of it was actually in a circular pattern. So Hugh was able to escape out of any room if he needed to. 
So he chose a hideout, I, I, I believe, intentionally to remain safe. So that, I mean, that just shows you how much like attention to detail. Wow. That, so maybe that, the crocheted blankets are a thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, and it's possible that Jay kind of transitioned into like a, like I said, like a maternal figure for Paul. Like he, he was even at one point, like, I, I'm not going to call 911. I'll go wake up Kelly so she can do it. You know, like he kept, he kept wanting to be in this more powerful position, but then he kept allowing all of the, all of his friends to just kind of take over. And then when he finally stands up, he gets, he gets gut punched and like <laughs> scratched by this crazy entity. And then he's like, Oh, yep. Okay. Well, <laughs> I guess you, you're right to pick Greg and not me. Um, even though Greg sucks. And also in the end, when they finally have sex, she's wearing like a quilt, a quilt. So it's like also a handmade blanket. So mm -hmm. the blankets mm -hmm. have it here. It's wild. Yeah. Good observation. Something I found really interesting was that it can be like an allegory for anything. Like it could be the trauma uh, or like the grief of losing their father. It could be the trauma of this like really negative sexual experience that she had. Um, it could be them growing up and like what that's like. It could, you know, it could be so many things, which is maybe what makes it creepier because like whoever is watching, it could be whatever. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, like, uh, or just going back to like the conjuring, how like the, you know, all those, all those items in that one room have a story to tell and is mm. connected inexplicably to many people throughout its existence and i think the same thing can be said about about blankets or about a particular you know particularly loved object is that you know it's it's been a part of many things for better or for worse uh, even even that I'm, I'm just kind of thinking back towards the end when uh they uh, it's not a blanket but like they have a bed sheet uh you know that they drape over the father um mm. or that the you know the entity father to actually try to get a feel for what this entity might look like, like his figure before, you know, Paul uh, shoots the entity. And um, yeah, there just seems to be like a lot of usefulness or a lot of uh, meaning behind a blanket or even yeah. a sheet. Definitely. Yeah, John, I think you're right. There's just, there's so much, so many themes that we could derive from this. And a, another one to add to that is just growing up and not really and having everybody around you leave and you not leaving whether by choice or because you're not able to and greg and jay at a certain point are talking about how hard it is to be here even though everybody's leaving and they're like clearly going mm. to a community college and and they are it seems like he's starting to notice her again because she's available and she's there um yeah and I think that that can be that can be a struggle. Again, people choose to do that because they want to stay places. But sometimes, if they don't have that choice, they can feel very othered, and um, you know that can feel very that can be also like obviously isolating, but also pretty suffocating um, to just be very aware of your lack of options. But it, it, yeah, it does. I mean, it does encapsulate a lot of like that small town feel that you know you mm. you know everyone around mm. you, everyone around you pretty much knows you, um, mm. and. Yeah, like you said, the the options are limited in Italian, and that kind of goes back to the feeling of of like that claustrophobic feeling of of just being, you know, in this small little area. Um, and anytime mm -hmm. they go for a drive, 
they show like houses that are abandoned like row after row of houses that are like falling apart abandoned so it's like oh is this what's outside of here you Mm -hmm. know everyone is left and gone so far Mm -hmm. oof very bleak should we (laughs) should we talk about the scene at the beach yeah, I mean, also the cinematography. I'm not usually one who's like, oh, cinematography is great. Yeah. But the cinematography in this movie is amazing. The, yeah. Like when they choose to do wide shots, when they choose to like close in, like what's in the scene. It's just like all beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is like a gorgeous film besides being like a really good horror movie. It's beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it always looks, parts of it seem a lot, like pretty washed out, like a, like a summer film. Mm-hmm. You know, just very light and breezy and yeah, like the actual the content is terrifying, but yeah, you're right, it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And and just um, you know, they they tie it in so well with like the music, you know, the 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 cinematography and the music together. Like the music just kind of creeps in, just like all of these scares do. Like I, I think that there may be only one or two jump scares throughout the yes. film. Yeah. Like when when the tall man, when you see the tall man, <gasps> that is nope creepy and it's not a jump scare it, it's it's this it's like not. it's like this feeling that just slowly comes at you and you mm-hmm. you know it's there and you're just you're just waiting it's like that anticipation that kind of tension 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 then then the slow release of like fear <laughs> yeah um, like we knew he was going to be there and he's there i mean that's like when i have nightmares it's like something's there that shouldn't be there and it's just there mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not like trying to do anything and it because it's like slowly walking it's slowly approaching like they had enough time to close the door mm-hmm. like oh yeah and yeah. then seeing some familiar faces even like that that creepy kid uh and, and that's actually a concept i i believe it's called the uncanny in horror where it's like it's it's so, it's so strange that it's familiar to you mm-hmm. and and it's actually mm-hmm. alarming that it's familiar to you because and, and i think hugh had said it earlier on that um he says he said sometimes i think it looks like looks like people you love just to hurt you um and and that and that's the that's the uncanny part of of this film is that there are figures like um whether it's like the mothers or or the dad at the ends right it's familiar but it's just it's just so out of place Mm -hmm. um and so jarring and then there are others who are complete strangers like the tall man like we don't know you know where the the roof Right, the guy on right. the roof was very scary. Yeah. I, oh, so goodness. when when we're on the beach or when they're on the beach and you see Yara float by in the tube, which I think is oh. also a really cool mm-hmm. shot, an amazing see, shot, yeah. And then you see Yara walking up behind her, and you realize that Yara, the entity is taking the form of Yara. And <laughs> when when they like notice her, when Kelly notices Jay's hair getting pulled up, and it's, I can it, like feel that on my head. <laughs> exact same same and i'm feeling just chills in general talking about it but like the moment when her and paul are like oh fuck this is this is you know like we see it we believed her kind of we knew she was dealing with something but now we like see it mm-hmm. so so there's and no paul doubt gets anymore. hurt there it gets hurt I was, badly i was thinking like yeah. when i first saw this movie if i even put together that that was her like because it's they're they're so carefree in that moment that you're like oh what's happening like this is Mm -hmm. you know I I don't know like I don't know if I would have even put it together which is like what's even scarier about that yeah is that like you're not putting it together it's like she's not putting it together 
Well, that's yeah, that's what the director said. He just put people throughout the film that were just walking towards them at all times, mm-hmm. just so the audience was like, we're never safe. We're always in danger. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just such an opposite. Like, like Greg, you know, just was out of the, out of the goodness of his heart was like, hey, let's just let's just get away from life right now. Like, was it the goodness it of his heart, though? I mean, I think everything he did was predatory. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. he could frame it very easily as goodness of his heart, but the That's way true. he was looking at Yara. I feel like he then... definitely wanted something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, but sorry, Matt. <laughs> no, no, Matt, we understand the, the paranoia of what it's like to <clears throat> have, have someone be nice to us. <laughs> I think. <clears throat> yeah. But it, I mean, and, and it just kind of like, catches up with them too in that moment like um it's just unexpected uh and he still doesn't really believe after then and because i think it's paul who's like no like the chair crumpled like i hit something with the chair like it's real and he was like nah it's not well he was like it's it it is something but it's not what she thinks like what Mm -hmm. okay so you're just saying you believe in ghosts and invisible people but not ones with intention fuck off Yeah, he is super invalidating. I mean, mm-hmm. at, at the very last part when he talked with his friends before he died, like he was just when they asked, like, well, well, then what is it? And he's just like, I don't know, like shrug, shoulder shrug, and then just walks away. Like he's saying, like, oh, I, I haven't seen anything, haven't felt anything. Don't know what she sees or feels. So, yeah. Right. And, and then we assume that I guess he sleeps with the girl he's flirting with and later in the library or the cafe or whatever. So he he's not. It's still predatory. He's just like, okay, I'm gonna. It's my turn to pass it on. Oh no, I have to have sex with a stranger. Yeah, you know he's a douche. He's an odd duck. Yeah, be a douche. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's why, and and she tries to save him. Like he's not aware. Like she's aware. Hugh was aware. Like he made all these this stuff in his house, and like she's looking out the window, and like the fact that it is. It is Greg when he's when he's walk like that's so creepy, mm-hmm. um, and then becomes Greg when it comes back out. So mm-hmm. like it already was like it was trying to capture her, it was trying to lure her in there. I feel you like when it looked at her, like when it. <gasps> <laughs> I, I, that was another point on the IMDb page too. Was that the entity was just getting angrier and angrier, like every it kept escalating its efforts towards Jay and it wasn't stupid. Like they did this Scooby-Doo trap and it was like, I'm not dumb. Now I'm, yeah, just I'm not getting in the water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but th- it was so funny when you, I was like, Oh, thank goodness. It doesn't work. <laughs> I know. like Jay would have been dead <laughs> over <laughs> like, and if over. It had worked. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they try to put all these, um appliances on the outside of the pool and they're gonna all kick them in i guess when the entity gets in the pool and i guess jay gets out and then like shock it i guess yeah mm-hmm. yeah but she like stays in there and uh i mean that that was that was an intense scene when the dad started throwing the appliances and that that one part where he threw the toaster i literally flinched like mm-hmm. it was just that the camera was so spot on like i i, I was you know, I felt like I was in the water at that point. Yeah, um, that was it. That was a very good shot. At, I mean, and also that being her dad and her not wanting to 
to say put anything. the sister through that and then like how that could have looked to the outside observer like okay she's just making it up she doesn't want mm. to say but Matt like you were saying like I'm living alone with this I don't need to harm anybody else with it like she's carrying it like a burden yeah oh yeah because like even when they go to the pool it is on the roof and she doesn't say anything um right yeah she's like why do i like why even well and that's similar to mental illness too like why like the the exhaustion that you get mm -hmm. when family or friends are like obviously want you to say you're feeling better so then you do but you're like no i can't tell you that i'm still depressed today or i'm still anxious or or even I can't tell you that I'm still experiencing hallucinations or delusions. It's just, yeah. I don't want to, obviously this is exhausting for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a very heavy film. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, and the there was a Go ahead, Matt. Oh, no, I was gonna say like, going back to the only comic relief part where they're, where they're together, um, just kind of break it up a little bit, but like, uh, you know, when, when he was like, do you guys see that girl right there? And like, there's a girl in the background. Oh, they, yeah, they, yeah. they turn around, they're like, yeah, yeah, we see her. And then he's like, okay, okay, good. <laughs> like, she, like, she, she just has such a goofy she has a, stare too. She has like a like, derp face. Yeah. 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 Also, and she I, just walks up to the group and does like a U shape. Like with each shot, she's walking towards them in a different direction. And then she just meanders off in the same direction that she came from. <laughs> this, this little child. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely think this movie makes you hyper aware of like anyone approaching you at a slower speed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, the only way you can truly know for sure that it's not the entity is if they're either running or they're talking with you. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, if right. they're moving slowly, you know, just foot traffic could be anyone. I know the, the fact that this thing didn't communicate at all, I think was made mm. it all the more scary. And yes. it's, yeah, I, I mean, if we want to talk about Greg's death too, just I, like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. It was really weird. I mean, mixed with the flickering of the lights. Yeah, the melding, like in the uh, arm, like. Well, and I don't, and it's certainly pointing to this, like, he's, pro he's promiscuous, you know, he uses people for sex and then he gets rid of them. That certainly is not, doesn't mean he's deserving of that horrible horrible of an ending but it seems like the entity is like a very strict black and white judge too i noticed there was a lot in this film with water i don't really know what it means but you know she's in the beginning she's in the pool then the pool is like devoid of water they go to the lake she swims in the lake ruining her uh cast on her arm um well she goes back to the lake after the she goes back to a lake and then and then in the end with the pool i'm not sure like what the water represents or what it means but it definitely was there and when her and paul finally have their their you know their time it's raining i mm. yeah, maybe it's just like a false sense of security you know they they you know she's in when she's in the pool i i guess well or maybe maybe it's just like a time where you do feel a little more secure like you're you're in you're in the, the pool in the backyard you're um you know at a lake house that's supposed to be relaxing mm. um but yeah and, and then the pool the pool in the at the end like collapsed like it the, the water drained out and then they go to the the bigger public pool um so i mean maybe that's a little bit of foreshadowing 
on yeah. the director's part that you know when things start collapsing like this is kind of the the um you know the the ultimate or the penultimate scene where um you know she has to to face her father in a very different form mm. you know i'm starting to get a feeling that like maybe her dad took his own life too i mean we can obviously put a, a warning on this when we yeah. post it but I, mm -hmm. I get that feeling that the way they didn't talk about how he passed away, the, the kind of like unique pain that surrounded it and how they the family was labeled as there it's always something or they're a mess. Like it makes me think that, I mean, we are so over the top supportive as we should be of people that die from cancer or you know um, illnesses we know a lot about, but when somebody dies by taking their own life, it's not, nobody's, not a lot of people are flocking in because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if I wonder if there's something there having to do with water. Oh, yeah, there's more comic Ooh. relief in this movie. Well, it's true. Well, I know, but I mean, the the two pictures on her on her mirror, you know, one was of her in the pool, and the other one was with her father. And you, and you see some other pictures in in their household that is they're they're a happy family. They look to be a happy family. Mm -hmm. But I mean, isn't isn't that the way it is with depression and suicidality? Is that you know you're constantly putting on a happy face, not for yourself but for people around you. And, mm -hmm. you know, perhaps that is the situation with the dad. Perhaps that's the reason why Dostoevsky is being quoted often. And, and there's this whole theme of mortality, um, mm -hmm. you know, coming up because, uh, you know, the, that, that struggle is real. Yeah, big, big time. That, that, that mystery they leave around there is very provoking and it's great. So well done. It's all based off of a, like a childlike dream wild yeah mm -hmm. yeah and I, I do appreciate I, I appreciate the constant ambiguity and because i mean mm -hmm. if if you know the director really spelled it out then that would just ruin it like that's yeah. this is what makes it follows an amazing horror film because it doesn't explain it doesn't it doesn't hand you you know the synopsis it it, it, mm. it, it challenges you to interpret what's going on you know beyond the service level but I think it lets you do that to like what however like there's so many open-ended things that like you can interpret it any way you want mm -hmm. um yeah like we are kind of given that privilege to just make of it like like you were talking about the themes join and just take whatever theme feel like resigns or resounds with us the most and just just write it yeah i mean because it, it's also like bringing the complicatedness of like moving from a teenager to an adult like how many more things are thrust upon us and even like the grief that we feel could change based mm -hmm. on us like entering into a new phase of life so like how complicated that is for them because we don't know when all this happened with their father so right yeah and just how grief manifests itself I mean, with, with the entity itself. And I actually, this time around when I, when I was viewing the film, like I, I wrote down every time that it manifested basically. And it was, I mean, it was just really interesting that you have, you know, the girl in the yellow dress you have, or in terms of people who are familiar, possibly Jay's mom. I think, I think that may have been Jay's mom. The, the time where the, the, the scene where the woman was, you know, urinating and, and just like, just had, the cheerleader i think that yeah i didn't i yeah. I, I've, I read i read some reddit like threads sock. about how like maybe that was the beginning like this was kind of like a demon born of a sexual assault and yes 
Uh, like that was the first kind of iteration of it. Okay. Interesting. Wait, is there any more to that? That's 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 really interesting. Like it was mm. like it was created like out of hate, or yeah, it was it was created out of this trauma. Um, yeah. Hmm. Wild. Because that's the only. That's one of the only it's that we see without the blacked out eyes too. I mean, besides the old woman. And I don't know about the woman in the beginning, but um, yeah, 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 and that yeah, that is really interesting because we don't, yeah, we don't know the origins of of the entity, and I'm sure you know we could we could delve even you know deeper into that, like what, and and what came first, like the chicken or the egg, essentially, yeah. like with the whole situation. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure where to go with that. Uh, I mean, when at least when I saw the the woman, like I mean, yeah, I, I could. Sorry to throw this <laughs> wrench in there. <laughs> uh, you know, just thinking of, I, I you know, I, I just thought of somebody who, you know, struggles with, with, with alcoholism or has experienced domestic or sexual abuse. And, and that, that is certainly a, a prevalent theme. Like there's a lot of, there, there is nudity, you know, throughout the movie. Um, and, and that just kind of, once again, goes back to the theme of that, uh, of the vulnerability and having to experience this raw, this rawness um, mm -hmm. throughout the entire film. So, okay, so we have the entity in the beginning, then we have the cheerleader, and then the cheerleader turns into the. Well, old, then there's the older woman. Old woman. For, that's yeah. that's older. when Jay first sees it. Or, right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if that was the grandma because right before that scene, they showed all the family pictures and there was one of like a grandma and grandpa. Um, and she was so in like a hospital gown, right? So maybe like the last yeah. memory of her. Yeah. Could be. But Jay says she didn't know who it was, but that's when her sister asked her. So um, I don't know. I'd have to watch it again. I should have rewound. When she but... like screams down the hallway, hello, do you see that person? And they're like, no. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> fuck off out of there. Just oh, yeah, that's so scary. It, it is, and it, yeah, you, you might be right, Joanna, with the you know with, with the the woman being the grandmother. I mean, I, I just think about you know even even myself a, a much less ex a much less scary experience. But um, my Pepe, you know, was in the hospital for some time when I was a young kid, and uh, you know he had progressive dementia, and he wasn't he wasn't Pepe who I remembered him as, and mm -hmm. uh, you know certainly that can you know meld a child's experience as to uh you know interacting with older people or having a greater understanding of what you know an older person may be going through and i'm i'm, I'm wondering too if that was something that affected jay you know in the film even though i believe she just said it was an old woman but i mean maybe you know yeah. maybe maybe it is her grandmother uh, mm -hmm. so then the then the, the very tall man who i think yeah. is what so the cheerleader see? tall man did you see what, wasn't he like a, a twin of like the tallest yeah. man in the world? He, no, he's he's seven. No, no, he is. He's seven foot seven. One, he's one half of the world's tallest twin, Mike okay. Lanier. Mike Lanier of Detroit. Shout out to Mike yeah. Lanier. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Okay, cool. Wonderfully creepy. Yeah, um, big, great job. Yeah. And he, he, I guess he worked for General Motors for some time. So he, well, I mean, what a gig to be seven mm -hmm. foot seven and, and just like this really creepy entity that just comes out of the woodworks. Um, he yeah, and he was not the only Detroit-based actor. The woman in the beginning who asks Annie if she needs help, the woman just getting groceries. She's in the show Detroiters. Um, oh really? Huh. If anybody's ever watched that, it's very funny. Uh, based in Detroit. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then after that, it's it's Yara, right? Yara, yep. Yeah, and then it's well, it's it might be the girl at the school because they go to this or they go to the school for yeah they go find out about Hugh first. Um, and there is like a girl dressed in all white who's like walking and like yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it because like she's walking. Her origin is like from behind a wall, mm-hmm. uh, like so. Okay, it's yeah. But yeah, she shows up after the the kid comes through the the hole in the, in like the boathouse, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and and then when when she, when 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 uh, Jay runs oh. away, that's when you see like the girl in like kind of the white gown. That's oh yeah. Following. yeah. Um, oh, this girl I'm talking about is at the school when they go to the school um, to find out who Jeff Hugh is. There's like a student that's walking in the same pathway and like it's very similar to the old old woman um Mm. where she's just kind of like walking and then when they leave she's walking like directly at the car jesus christ yeah yeah just another one of these but it's just like how subtle those things are Mm -hmm. but they're still there and it's like Mm -hmm. "Ah." yeah yeah so then we we have yara and then we have the the tall man again just leaning down past the window half a second but he leaves his mark yep and then he blows the hole through the thing and then all of a sudden he's a little boy but that's the only communication we hear though right is the little boy yells so we know that it it goes it like shrieks yeah (laughs) yeah but that's the only sound we get from it ever right yeah, there's no other yeah. time where an entity like opens its mouth at mm-hmm. you, like, yeah, yeah. That, that, that was really creepy. That that, ugh. <laughs> yeah, that sucked. And and it gets quiet too. And once again, great cinematography. The the camera pans at the hole slowly. You know, like like Jay oh, is it, like it like it is on that hole. Yeah, for so long. And and the music gets quieter and quieter and quieter mm-hmm. and quieter. And bam, like. That's yeah. Ooh. <laughs> That's so upsetting. Yeah. So then she uh, drives to she she gets in the car. Yeah. Gets in and classic Greg. That's my car. <laughs> Still doesn't know what's going on. Um, and then. And then she crashes, and that's so scary too, because she just keeps kind of waking up places, and you can tell she's like, "How long has it been? Like, where? Yeah. How far did I get to drive? Mm-hmm. Where am I?" Yeah. So disorienting throughout mm-hmm. the entire film mm-hmm. uh, yeah and uh and then the next one is greg right mm-hmm. yeah and, and then, then greg's, greg's mom. mom and then back yep. to greg back to greg and then the naked man on the rooftop and then her dad mm-hmm. yeah and that's yeah that's that's the whole of it and and then of course the the the, the biggest question is when paul and jay are walking down the street there's somebody behind them you know is it just a pedestrian walking or are they being pursued? I think they were walking a little too fast to be it. I was, I was really examining their gait <laughs> mm-hmm. and they were walking like a little bit too fast. It wasn't like a stroll. It was like a, like a, yeah, you know, a little okay. bit of a hustle. I, my, my big feeling during that scene was like, they are in like prison. They're walking on the mm. same sidewalk. They've walked on a million times. They're holding hands. They are, they haven't been able to branch out and they've known each other forever. So on one hand, it could be they're in love and they've known each other forever. On the other hand, it could be I have to settle for you because I can't do anything else. Just, mm. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. Wow. Repetition Woo-hoo. compulsion. Yes. 
I wonder if like, if you went to another continent, would it go like walk through the ocean to get to you? I mean, probably, right? But that would take a long time. I think the director theorized, because I was wondering too, yeah, he theorized <laughs> that it could feasibly get on an airplane if there was no, which mm-hmm. I thought was stupid. I think the person that left that comment was not uh, paying attention, but it I mean, like what else? on the airplane. I don't know. Why not? Yeah. It walks it, on the ground. It would, it would need an ID. <laughs> yeah, the, the flight attendant would be our like, can I see your? I ticket? mean, I guess it could just like sneak <laughs> well, in, no one can or like look it. like yeah. look like a flight attendant, and like because it. I mean, Hugh says it's smart; like it knows what it's mm-hmm. doing. Oh, well, um, and it's not appearing to anyone else, so it doesn't even need right. to. Oh yeah, duh. Sorry, yeah. it could just stand like in the corner. <laughs> yeah. I, like I mean, everyone I'm, I'm... on this plane will be like, "Why is it? Why, why is there someone walking up and <laughs> but down?" But we know we know that it has like physical, like it has mass because Paul hits it with the chair. And it has and then it a shadow because he's he like, because Hugh says, I wanted to show you this is real. So he goes over with a flashlight and flashes the light on Shit. it and it makes a shadow. Okay. Um, so it has like a physical presence. Hmm. So it's a physical manifestation, but it's invisible to those who haven't had it. Yeah. That's that's poignant. But it has to like know what planes are going where. Like, could it do a layover? I don't know. Mad. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And it never. It obviously never knows where its target is going because it's just yeah. constantly walking towards it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is is the entity itself a more primal like existence, or does it have like that higher executive functioning? Where I mean, you know, clearly it does because it, it pursues and. It you know changes form to affect you know the person that they're that they're stalking, but you know mm-hmm. is is this entity you know more more of a primal figure or is there more more kind of depth to its psyche? I don't know. That is, that is, that I think is it would unknown. just walk through water, Maybe. honestly, because like it doesn't have to breathe. I guess so. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of blood in that. In the pool yeah. when it happened. That like only sh- and that was yeah, that was another example of her just not sharing what she saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How could she? Yeah. And also I think a little bit of an homage to the shining, like with the whole red theme. Mm. And all, all mm-hmm. I can think of is like red rom, red rom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Giant elevator doors. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So what was the scariest scene for you both? Uh, for me, it was the non-jump scare scares. It was Yara walking up behind her, mm. and it was the old, the tall man walking in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I have like, I have like tears of fear with this movie. It was a very scary movie, but those are the scariest parts. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you, Sarah, on that. Like the the tall man, the first appearance of the tall man was by far the scariest thing. Um, even even scarier than the the lake house scene just because I, I was not expecting that mm-hmm. like and he just literally for a seven foot seven man like to materialize out of nowhere like that just oh, I, he, I remember seeing that in film I mean on the he on, walk through Yara no I think he walked around like he just kind of okay. like he just goes like like hunching over and like what is what is it doing <laughs> in between then and when the the like when it kicks the door open 
because Greg comes up and he's like, what are you guys doing? It's like, is that actually Greg? Like what? Because because it, you know, what was, was it test, doing probably testing in between? The, was he testing like the surroundings? Maybe. Then- I don't know. Because it's such a long time in between when it kicks the door and then it is like it the is. little boy. Yeah. And and Greg is part of that. So I was wondering if if that was Greg. But I guess it was talking. So mm. I don't know. And the yeah, one thing I do know is that question. it's... Yeah. It like, like he constantly challenges every or you know mm. jay's reality and that's just yet another example of kind of you know a, a pig-headed moment where it's like hey what's wrong like what like what did you do to my door <laughs> you know like like as, as if like one of them like kicked out the door like um, he saw the door get kicked inside like he saw, had to have seen that yeah. you know like he saw it get like exploded yeah. inwards and, and yeah the wood came inwards there's no way that anybody inside the building could have kicked it reverse i don't know didn't make sense yeah and i mean what he was like so he was like peeing in the bushes and then it took him that long to come over like he was staring at the thing running in that direction the whole time it doesn't make any sense that he but it, well he had to yeah. hide behind a chair because she was wildly shooting a gun um good point she was. yeah yeah stormtrooper style <laughs> yeah God. I don't know what protection that chair would have offered him, but um well that was just another another example of him offering something that maybe seemed like protection, but it was another opportunity for him to like get more intimate with her. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as she used it, he was like, What, what? I didn't know you were gonna use it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'd say the picking up of Sorry. the hair was the creepiest moment for me. Mm. Just because like you I could like feel that. Um, and and that's really the first time where you realize that the entity isn't in a rush to kill you. Like, mm-hmm. Well, Annie's but, death was, we don't even know how she died, but we know her leg broke several times mm-hmm. in a horrible way. Yeah. Yep. We don't know. And Greg's death, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A real, a real so, intense film. <laughs> really. So where do you think all of these people will be in 10 to 20 years? <laughs> i hope okay <laughs> i think paul and jay will will be dead i think they're too nice and too kind to do what you did because um, there is mom- that moment when paul goes by assumingly prostitutes and i don't think he stops he's like this is an option but i'm not gonna do it oh i don't know i didn't that. pick up on that yeah there are two, yeah. two women on on the corner Going back, I guess, from the... But he's just driving around by himself. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was after they had sex. Like, he was like, maybe. But it doesn't seem like he did. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the best chance of survival at that point is to actually prepare the next person, right? Like, if if that was going to be your option, then... Mm -hmm. You know, other, otherwise people would just die unassumingly, um, not knowing what they were facing. Yeah. Right. Which was once again, I guess, a, a little bit to the credit of Hugh that like he did, you know, prepare Jay as horrendous as that whole scene is. You know, it gave her, I did, it did give her a fighting chance to continue to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> what a movie. Good choice. They're okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to our spooky season series. Um, Stay tuned for the next movie. We don't know what it'll be yet. Um, 
but it'll be there. Matthew, you have a following. Oh, Matthew, you have a plug. <laughs> I got a plug. I, I was unplugged last time, but I, I'm, I'm plugged in this time. Plug back uh, in. Plug it in. <laughs> plug it in. Plug it in. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So a, a little kind of side hobby slash project that I'm doing is I am streaming on Twitch. Uh, I'm specifically I am streaming uh, video games, and I'm looking to you know cultivate a welcoming and uh, exciting community um, that is focused on video games and mental health. Uh, I, I do see a lot of games that you know apply to um, uh, you know uh, today's uh, scenarios and and what people are going through. And uh, so yeah, I'm I am uh, uh, my name is Neon Bard um on on twitch so i'm starting that i do have a discord that's also linked to twitch as well as a twitter um all all neon bard uh so that that is me and i'm just doing it as a side thing and we'll see where it goes nice cool that's so exciting on twitch i join any plugs for you um no i don't think so i mean other than this podcast (laughs) that we are on your do you want to plug your practice Oh, yeah. Uh, it's Oriana Therapy. Um, you can find my website at orianatherapy.com. Um, and uh, yeah. How about you, Sarah? Yeah, yeah. Tell Therapy with Sarah on Instagram and tell Therapy with Sarah.com. Therapy for millennials from all backgrounds, especially working class, professional millennials. Check us out. No, oh, I didn't say my niche is. Uh, Anxious creatives. So good. If you are, if you are anxious, if you are creative, come on in. All right. I mean, virtually. Uh, well, I hope yeah. you've enjoyed our <laughs> spooky series thus far. We have a couple more spooky episodes to go, so definitely spooky. tune in on Mondays. Yeah. Don't get too scared. <laughs> Watch with a friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Horror is always best with at least two people. Thank you. Yeah.